Today we're talking to Daniel Ballas from Connecting Roma about his lived experience moving from the Czech Republic to Bradford as a young child and how this experience has led to the work he and his team do supporting the Roma community. Roma people have been subjected to discrimination and persecution dating back over a thousand years and continue to face incredible barriers to their acceptance by society. Even gaining recognition of the genocide of Roma people during the Holocaust took almost 50 years of persistence and ultimately three hunger strikes by concentration camp survivors before official acknowledgement was made. This was a genocide which murdered an estimated 25% of the pre-war Roma population. On May 16th, 1944, Roma prisoners sabotaged Nazi soldiers' attempts to transport them to the gas chambers of Auschwitz. The 16th of May remains Resistance Day for the Roma community, a symbol of their ongoing determination for their culture and positive contributions to be recognised. I'm sure that listening to this interview, you will agree that this is a determination Daniel has an abundance of. Okay, well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, It's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'd love to ask you about your experiences um, as a Roma person living in the UK. But I want to start first off uh, back when you first moved over here and a little bit about your childhood in the Czech Republic and the circumstances that meant that you and your family did relocate over here. Yes, absolutely. And uh, good afternoon. Um, Good afternoon to your listeners. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for for the opportunity. Oh, Um, you're welcome. uh, It it feels great. I'm absolutely loving this podcast already. Um, So it's good to be here. Um, Yeah, I think as a child, to be honest, I was a, um, a fortunate Roma child. I come from a family that's a, it's a political family. Um, my grandfather um, was a very strong-headed Roma uh, man who stood for many things, including education, good employment, and a quality life. Um, he was accepted by the wider community, that is the Czech nationals, within our town and that's because he he worked for it you know he actually went to uh, a year one when he was 21 mm. years old um, because he was Roma he didn't have access to education and uh, during his youth so so that's what he did and he drove the full family you know with that with that vision and I was very fortunate to be part of that family and uh, should I say, I think I was my favourite, uh, <laughs> my granddad's favourite, so uh, um, I, I had a brilliant childhood. However, mm. being part of a political Roma family and a family that wants to help other Roma uh, within a country that, uh, you know, the nationals are mostly racist and discriminative towards Roma people, yeah. um, you know, we was in positions to, to, to go out and help some of these Roma people that are in you know deprived areas that are living in some very hardship circumstances. So I was actually f- you know faced firsthand um, with almost the the worst lifestyles that you can live within these countries mm-hmm. uh, and seeing Roma people uh, uh, live in very poor poor conditions. Um, so I always had that understanding of the Roma struggle. And what it is to what it means to be a Roma. And what did that look like to you as a child? Uh, how old were you? Ten, 
nine, ten. Yeah, I think um, it was in 1997 mm-hmm. when my father got involved as, as, a, as a politician. So right. he set up a, a Roma party called Royka. And that was really good for Roma people, uh, but also brought very hostile environment towards mm. our family from the I wider see. community, the national yeah. community. Um, and yes, that became very scary. I mean, you know, there's um, almost like two schooling um, in, in, in Eastern Europe. You've got like your mainstream and like special school. So many Roma, like 80% of Roma children seem to be going to that special education rather than your mainstream schooling. Um, what was but, the reason for that? Um, so they, you know, there is a, a, a criteria for you uh, to be able to get into that special school. So right. like learning difficulties, mm-hmm. bad behavior and so on. Um, which they attached to many Roma people almost automatically to these children. And, you know, if you're a child that, that's, that, that's from a Roma community, go to a mainstream school and 90% are all white, national, Czech, and you're just only Roma, you almost start behaving in a particular way so mm. you can get, you know, where your cousins are, where your friends are, where people are who you are. So unfortunately, um, yeah, because of these decades of such... Uh, 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 behavior it's now yeah, integrating into these children and that's where they need to be uh, but I went to a mainstream school and it, you know I was faced again firsthand with the racism with the fact that you know there was just two of us within the whole school that that, that was Roma mm. um, but that gave me a drive mm. to be number one to show that actually Roma can be equal and in you know, the teacher did automatically put us back of the class and I made sure I'm in front of the class and that I'm actually competing with some of the best children in the school. And that was just because of that environment. Yeah, and the way you were being treated. Yeah, Yeah. I thought that that was my... I had to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm in this mainstream school, my family's doing what I'm doing, I think this is what I need to be doing, right? I need to show these people that actually it's the other way around. So again, I had this kind of you know integrated into me and I felt proud to be a Roma Mm. I I always had this almost a provocative behavior about me so when you know you go to a place and your parents were like they don't really tolerate Roma here you know be quiet let's just stand in the queue you know I would purposely start (laughs) singing Roma songs or you know I am a Roma hello everybody um and I think you know coming to England Mm. um we had to kind of leave um Czech because of my father's political position. Um, it became very hostile towards our family. Okay, we had yeah. to kind of flee. Your safety for was safety. clearly being threatened. Yeah. yeah. So we, I think we went to Finland for a, for a few months under, under a safety plan. And then we went back to Czech, stayed there like two weeks, which was in like 2000, and then came straight to, to England. Right. So, then, so that year, year and a half was very very confusing for me mm-hmm. you know we're traveling to different countries we have to stay at airports we're going to refugee camps and and so on and um you know just meeting which was really really nice that you know the the great experience out of that was meeting people from around the world and getting to know different cultures so i think then when we come to england you know i remember being on the plane and i envisioned you know like um I really envisioned it like a Home Alone setting in New York. <laughs> so I, I was like the Home Alone kid right. uh, at McCulkin in the plane, mm-hmm. just envisioning what I'm going to be getting up to and you know how it's going to look and whatever. Um, 
when we landed, we obviously had to go through, uh, uh, you know, an immigration process. Yeah. So that yeah. was a nice. I think we had to stay in a camp for 15, 15 days and so on, which basically I cried to the full 15 days, to be honest. It was that scary. Um, but, you know, eventually we came to Bradford. We were on a coach. It's a massive journey. And we're coming to Bradford. Mm. And now I get to see these areas, you know, um, the estates, you know, with the similar housing. And we, I'm getting this really good vibe and I'm like wow you know look at what I'm going to be part of wonder which area is mine type thing uh, we got put into an area called Bolton Woods mm-hmm. in Bradford which is the BD2 area which was predominantly at that point uh, uh, um, English um, and uh, you know he was really really happy the house was gorgeous he had a fireplace right it's not normal to have a fireplace in the Czech Republic so you know this was uh, uh, quite exciting uh, mm-hmm. especially as a as a child the next day, I got welcomed by two lads, local lads. They knocked up the door, I've opened up. They're like, all right, you know, you're a kid here. Uh, what's your name? Where do you come from type of thing? So I said, you know, I'm, I'm Czech and I am a, a, a gypsy Roma. And the both lads that are white with blue eyes and blonde hair say to me, oh, we're gypsies as well, <laughs> which was a shock. Um, you know, all the white nationals yeah. where I'm from. Yeah. Uh, was against mm. brown color and definitely wouldn't call themselves a, a gypsy. So um, uh, it was confusing for me. I was like, you know, what's, go- what's going on here? Um, we called my dad and, you know, my father straight away explained um, who we are as Roma and the fact that we are from around the world. Yeah. And that's when I've got exposed to really of the Roma identity, the culture and heritage. And from that start, I started to be interested in, oh, wow, what, you know, so if there's a white Roma with blue eyes and a brown with black hair, where else are we? Who are we? How, you know, how cool is this? And we wanted to find out more. Um, However, um, you know, I've kept that obviously behavior, but it did become hostile in the area. I was going to ask, what, what point did you start to recognize that? Perhaps you were being treated differently or people were regarding you in a different way than they would other people or other children. How soon after moving to Bradford did that start to dawn on you that that was an issue here? After 24 hours. Okay, not long then. After 24 hours. I went out with them boys. Right. Um, Got dressed. It was Mm -hmm. in the morning. Got dressed and I went out. And I could tell straight away that actually even though these guys said that they're a gypsy, um, and I told her that I am a gypsy. Mm. We are certainly different, and they yeah. are letting me know that we're different. The community in Bolton Woods started becoming hostile towards us and started calling us Kosovans. Uh. They started to be graffiti on our houses, right. saying Kosovans. Um, they started to take advantage. They're seen us as weak, vulnerable people. Mm. So they wouldn't just come and try to rob our homes but they would walk in and demand to rob our homes it was just like so after 24 hours yeah and those kids and you'd notice it and the targeting of the houses yeah yeah, exactly yeah so i think you know the the community become quite quite hostile towards us because to put in a nutshell we was the immigrants in Mm. the area it wasn't about our skin color it wasn't about who we are it's called us Kosovans, even though we told them who we are. And you weren't from Kosovo. We weren't from Kosovo, they still called us Kosovans and so on. Within about six months, 
given the fact that the few families that we've got moved there, which mm. was a Pakistani and Iranian family, about three or four Czech families, and about two or three Polish families that initially got moved almost from the camp that we was in down south, can't remember the name of it, and we came on the coach that I was explaining, we came as that bunch. Um, as youngsters and even our, our parents, our older brothers, our siblings and so on, we kept going out. We kept going to the community centre. Mm. We kept going to post office. We kept going to the fish shop. And, and we kept having... We? Yeah, and you know, why shouldn't we? And we kept having these conversations, right? And, and discussions. And within six months, uh, 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 to be honest, we became part of the community. Mm. Simple as. Of course, we had fights after that. You know, you, you're youngsters and you, you get up to uh, uh, whatever you, you get up to there. Um, you know, disagreements and whatever else, but that certainly wasn't because of race or anything like that. And we just become part of the community and we strived. So to put it in a nutshell, this was a hostile environment mm. because of confusion and yeah. knowledge and almost what we spoke about earlier before starting the podcast was that cultural competence. That's what We like about. cultural competence, we do. Mm -hmm. It's important. You, you, if we don't know about other people, it's our job to educate ourselves mm -hmm. about who they are, yeah, what their cultures are. And that's the only way that we can learn to uh, be able to communicate properly mm -hmm. and effectively mm -hmm. with them and work with people. Mm -hmm. And actually benefit mm -hmm. as an individual, exactly. right? Because exactly. uh, that's exactly what happened to me uh, and certainly, uh, uh, um, you know, vice versa because after that, when we realized who we are as people, mm. um, which was basically very similar people, yeah. the fact that you know, I was born in Czech and these guys were born in England was kind of only the difference. That's it. Um, we started sharing our culture. Mm. I saw our food, we started sleeping in each other's houses, yeah. as, you know, as the youth do, and uh, uh, you know, playing different music. And it just became this awesome environment of, of learning and you know, coming closer with people. and almost building you as an individual this confidence mm. in you of just you know knowing about other cultures and understanding of other cultures gives you this confidence it does of it gives you confidence gives you, it's liberating absolutely yes I yeah, completely so obviously i mean that's fantastic that you felt that you were able to start to integrate mm -hmm. in the community mm -hmm. but i know that there's been sort of instances throughout your life moving forward mm -hmm. Is there any of those um, lived experiences that you can share with us? What kind of impact did they have on you as you grew up, got older? And how have they motivated you to, to, to do the work that you do now? Well, before we moved from Bolton Woods, mm. we lived there for two years. Right. And we didn't want to move. We had to move. More uh, Roma families started to be placed in that area by the local authorities and by the government. They've chosen that area for some reason. And um, some of these families um, behaved how they behaved. It was happy to be, mm. you know, free, happy to be financially stable. You know, so birthdays would be big birthdays, finally, for some of these people, right? Um, you know, f feasts will be put out, parties, uh, uh, you know, people would be partying and so on. 
and it wasn't really appreciated by the area and again it became a hostile environment to the fact that graffiti started popping up again mm-hmm. and then it ended up in a mini riot right okay um there was some confusion between the youth where a roma parent basically reacted um and that sparked up a, a huge community fight uh, where it was a mini riot, you know, it was about three cars on fire and two houses on fire. Um, you know, people fighting, loads of police and helicopters. And, you know, that happened a few months after the Bradford riots. And tensions were already running high. Exactly. So it was very, very scary. Mm-hmm. We, you know, stopped going out and started looking to, to move. I remember about four weeks, about a good month, where we just basically went to school and straight home. And, you know, as a child, you were just eager to come home and find out if you've got another house in a different area um, so you can carry on going to school mm. and being okay. I mean, you know, going to school from, from Bolton Woods, uh, which would go through, you know, Shipley, Bingley, Saltaire, and so yeah. on, <clears throat> we would be the only immigrants on the bus. Um, so the bus journey was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people would start every single day. Um, it, it was, I was thankful to have the Roma friends, you know, that we had, that they were strong enough to stand up for themselves and gave me the confidence to stand up for myself. And we did do that. And to be honest, eventually, I think we fought our way through <laughs> and we become part of that bus journey. It was okay eventually, right? And actually people started um, showing us uh, love because of who we are and mm. they liked our accent and so on. And, you know, about a year after, so we had to go through uh, through it for a year. But after about a year, it became okay. But then this happened, you know, and um, it just seemed to be like a vicious circle. It seemed to be like we go up everything starts to be okay and people come closer and then for some strange Mm -hmm. reason it disperses and almost become more segregated and more Mm -hmm. diverse which to be honest this scenario that i'm talking about i see till this day i see it play out again and again and again uh you know hence which we're gonna uh, uh, come to um you know we're here with connecting roma and we're doing what what we're doing um but yeah, so it became hostile again. We we had to move, and we started to move into, you know, low level income, uh, low low rent areas. You know, somewhere cheap, um, where we can kind of survive till you know my mom, my, my brother, kind of find um, work and mm. and and so on. Because we kind of know that we're joining the European Union. Things about to change. So there's so many changes that was you know, being applied kind of every few months to us because of the status that we had, right? But immigrants, okay, you know, immigrants now, now you're citizens, but you're still European, so you can't... It was just so confusing. And again, this cycle, I see again and again, right? It's still happening, right? Mm. We just had Brexit, we've got the USS, so, you know, making the European citizens very unsure of actually, is this my home? Is this not my home? Do I do all this here? Do Am I, I welcome I do here? Am I not here? welcome here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it goes as far as, you know, do I take this consequence serious or I don't? Uh, uh, you know, which is, which is a problem. If yeah. people feel like that both ways, it, it's a problem. And I think um, my story 
um, especially during a childhood, um, definitely points this out, mm. that this is a system that we keep going through. Something needs to happen. Change. Something needs to change. Yes, yes. Um, but um, we started traveling around mm. Bradford. I think we've moved good eight times in, you know, in a year. Uh, so we've been through many areas. Mm. Sometimes we just moved next door because <laughs> um, we had to. Um, but when we got into these areas, there was mostly brown people walking about, um, which was our Pakistani community here in Bradford. So, you know, I was exposed to a different type of culture, a different type of way of mm-hmm. living in these areas. Um, to where I'm from in Czech, coming to Bolton Woods, wasn't very much different. It just looked different. Um, but, you know, the European environment is very much the same as the, as the British environment. Um, but then coming to these areas, you know, I'm exposed to different culture and I'm loving it. You know, there was like a, a, a video shop close by, <laughs> the the guy that, that owned the video shop, we were really close together, which is amazing. I'm a, I love film, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would spend my time there and I would meet people there. And the Pakistani community was very welcoming. They appreciated that um, Rome. They wanted to know more. Um, you know, I felt that I was more accepted because I am this, you know, different boy. And, you know, once kind of some of the uh, Pakistani uh, men, boys got to know me, they would like to show off with me to the other maids. Listen, I've got a Roma friend and it's like this and it's like that and so on. But also, it was the first time I've experienced racism right. in the UK. Mm. I, they know who I am and they've got a problem with it. Um, and it became more impactful when I was told, you know, by a brown man to go back home, you know, go back to your own country, for example. It was a shock. It was smack in your face. It was like, how can you say that to me? (laughs) You know, you're brown, I'm brown. Like, it just made you think and almost scared. How could you understand it? How can you understand it? And, you know, it it started reoccurring more Mm -hmm. and more. I mean, thankfully, um, most of the community wasn't like that. And I had really good friends that potentially knew this guy that wasn't nice to me, that I could go and say, you know, this guy's not being nice to me, talk to him type Mm -hmm. of thing. And it kind of always resolved itself, so I've always been uh, fortunate. Um, but it made an impact on my brain. It made an impact to my identity. It made an impact to me as a person. And it made me think. It made me think. And it came back to what I was saying. Confusion. Not actually thinking about what you're saying. Mm. You know, some of these perpetrators... Um, didn't think what they said. They don't understand the extent of what that word or them words really mean and actually how silly they look by saying it, knowing you know that their family had to go through the same. Exactly the same thing. Um, so again, it just comes to that vicious circle that I mm. think 
is systematically based upon us and we as people need to um, talk about it and make a change, uh, spread spread awareness, spread knowledge. Um, you we know, do, that that's so People important. choose their words mm. correctly. We do, and people still, even today, I mean, there's, there's so much talk in the media about racism, about hate crime. Um, people don't understand the impact, the emotional impact it can have on people. What was that like for you? I mean, can you put into words even how that feels physically? When um, people attack you verbally, people don't recognise that actually that has a physical effect on you. It's not just a mental one, it's a physical one. Yes, exactly. We've just actually had a, a, a racist incident happen in Cleethorpes. Cleethorpes. Um, so we've got a, um, a mixed couple, a, a, a Pakistani a man and an English woman, they have a child and they go to the beach to enjoy themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, this particular Pakistani man is uh, is a young lad, plenty of energy. Uh, he's six foot eight. Wow. This guy is huge. Uh, he goes to the gym, you know. Um, he, he, you know. The guy looks really, really good. He looks healthy. Um, he's a strong man. And he's there with his family and he was faced with racism from staff members of where they were staying. Uh, there was some, some electrician men or something like that that basically called him the P word. Mm-hmm. When he said it to me, he said, I was frozen. I didn't know what to do. He says, my, 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 my wife, uh, my child was just staring at me because they've never seen me like it. And I've never, ever experienced anything like it. I've never frozen in my life, Daniel. I don't understand. And, you know, we had, we had a chat about it. Uh, we had a good conversation about it. But it's, but it's exactly that. You know, till you experience racism, mm-hmm. you really don't know what it is. You know, you, you, you can be the biggest man in the room. And when you face racism... It hits you right in your heart, right in the core of your heart. And you started to feel almost this. You shouldn't belong. You're not, mm. you're not part of society. You almost start to feel like you're not human, like you're a that's different it. species. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how far your head takes you. And it's, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible thing to live with. And that feeling of, it's the shame that comes with it, mm-hmm. that people don't talk about. A lot of people are ashamed to even admit that's how they feel. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you're being targeted for something that you can do nothing about, mm-hmm. your race is your race, mm-hmm. uh, your ability or disability is your disability, your sexuality is your sexuality, whatever it is that you're being targeted for, there's nothing you can do about it. So when somebody attacks you for it and makes you feel as though you are a lesser person because of it, mm-hmm. you feel powerless. Yeah, exactly. And you see, for Roma people, um, racism has been part of their life mm-hmm. for centuries. Literally centuries. I, I, when I did some research before this uh, interview, I, I was 
truly shocked at the historical extent of it, and I was not aware of that. For example, the, the fact that in 1530 there was an Egyptian law... In the UK. In the UK, yeah. uh, that forbade people who described themselves as gypsies to reside here, and they had 16 days to leave the country or they were going to be executed. Yes, exactly that. You know, and that was adapted by other European and countries. centuries and centuries. And it was, it was adapted by the UK again, I think in 1544, under mm-hmm. Mary I, to do with, um, yes, you could stay, but only if you assimilate into our way of living. That's correct. And yes. that has been a historical fact that century after century, um, community after community, country after country, has pressured the Roma community to assimilate, to force them to assimilate into their society, Mm -hmm. their structure of society, Mm -hmm. or else. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's exactly what happened, you know, got adopted throughout Europe. So it's almost, you know, the Roma uh, people face racism Mm -hmm. from, from day one and almost became this body to be racist against. It was like automatic racism because you are Mm -hmm. uh, a gypsy. And um, this is basically because of these behaviours from the wider community, from different people towards a certain group, it then becomes part of their culture. It's part of you. So you're being conscious, Mm -hmm. right? So then motivation, ambitions, mm. or whatever that society in that country is getting up to, which they may be getting up to some, you know, great things, such as envisioning, you know, the country's uh, future goals, right? Like like UK is trying to yep. be the best economy that there is in the world, right? Uh, it would be difficult the, to see where your place is in that. Exactly that, yeah. you know, you're, you, you almost feel like that vision, that goal, I'm not part no, of that. You're excluded from that. I'm already excluded. Because you're already getting the message that we don't accept you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then as a father, you know, you start being defend, uh, mm-hmm. defending and, you know, you start telling your children they have to take different ways, they have yeah. to act a certain way to be able to survive in this world, um, then literally preventing our children, our Roma children, from striving and bringing a good future for Roma as people. When it comes to hate crime, I think one of the things that we've talked about many times over the last few months and our working relationship together is how do we empower people within the Roma community to be able to come forward and report hate crimes when it appears to me at least that almost it's 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 sort of embedded in the psyche, as I said, that you know this is your lot in life. And if you look back at history, there's not really an awful lot to tell you otherwise. Yeah. That's all there is. Mm-hmm. It's just persecution from day one, mm-hmm. and it's still going on now. Mm-hmm. So that when when you have that burden of history on your shoulders, how are you supposed to empower yourself to come forward mm-hmm. and kind of put your hand up and go, I'm not okay with this. Actually, I need to speak out, and I don't deserve this. Well, you know what? Let's flip it on its side, right? And I think um, Bradford Hatelines... Uh, uh, Bradford Hate Crime Alliance is doing exactly that, right? It's it's setting the path for what you said to embed it in our norm, right? So now for many, most Mm -hmm. of Roma people, it's the norm not to um, aim high. Um, I, you know, I want to be a doctor. 
um, it's the norm to say I cannot go into that pub mm-hmm. because I am I am Roma. I can't get that employment because I am Roma, and it's because of what we spoke about. So let's use the same tactics that these guys have for centuries, but actually make it the norm to be a high achiever and be a, a Roma, mm-hmm. right? And for example, the app that Bradford Hate, Line, uh, Hate Crime Alliance has brought out is making people aware of it. Yeah. Is making people talk about it, collecting data and actually showing stats of what's happening. Again, to making people, yeah, yeah, making people realize to, you know, have the conversations and actually think about it as individuals. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as far as we put this extra work in, as far as we put the, put the work in, and you know, share this knowledge and tackle hate crime, um, bring the data together, then hopefully in the very near future, this will become the norm where people do feel empowered and feel like they should have that position or they need that position, right? Um, and that's which is we've just got to flip it on its side, okay. do exactly what they've done for centuries, yeah. but with the good in it. Empowering all the way, every day. You have the right to be heard. You have the right to be believed. You have the right to come forward and say you're not happy with the way you're being treated. You have the right to be treated as equally as anybody else. Exactly that. We have to get rid of that hierarchy um, and recognize that some people deserve more support than others mm-hmm. because of what they have gone through historically. And that's why organizations like ours exist mm-hmm. because some people are more vulnerable. Some people do need more support initially, but we'd like to get to a place where everybody feels equally supported mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be able to come forward and report what's going on. Exactly that. You know, and I think the Bradford City is the place to be right now for that to happen. City of culture. Absolutely. You know, we've won the city of culture. We've got um, so much opportunity and we've got a great network of, you know, local and national organisations that are working together to make change. And what Bradford really has, and this is what I'm trying to show the Roma community at this stage and really push the community to be able to do that is they have some really strong role models from other cultures and communities. The Black Caribbean community mm-hmm. has some great role models. Um, you know, the Pakistani community has some great role models that makes it the norm for others, you know, for others within that community um, to have the nice car, to have the nice house not only that what i mean by that is to have a quality life whatever it is Mm. that you see as quality right but i think that's really important to recognize is that whatever life that you want to lead Mm -hmm. should be okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we don't all have to have i mean i live on a boat Mm-hmm. Nice. So you know, I, I'm jealous. I kind of, <laughs> but it's an example. People, whenever I talk about that, people sort of look at me and say, "What really? You really live on a boat?" Yes, I really live on a boat, and it is an alternative lifestyle that mm-hmm. people aren't necessarily comfortable with. It's not the norm. It's not what we're programmed mm-hmm. that we have to do. Mm-hmm. You have to have. You get married. You have children. You live in a house. You mm-hmm. work to get a bigger house. You work some more to pay off the mortgage that's how it's supposed to be but actually it doesn't we th- there are other options and those other options are okay yeah and i think you know 
we've got such a big movement now in the world, such as Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and the LGBTQ plus movement. Um, you know what? I'd, I don't really even like to call them movements anymore, to be honest, because it's just now integrated into the society. We are aware of it as a society. We're uh, conscious and making sure that you know we cater for each other and make sure that we share with each other, right? And you know this is exactly why I want to show to the Roma community. <clears throat> it's about you know now taking part and putting yourself putting yourself out there. Mm. Um, because end of the day, um, I have to say this out loud so everybody hears, right? No matter what rules, laws, legislations, perceptions, ideas of others, it's up to you what you accept. What what you see fit. I mean, how many legislations changed just over these few years? Mm-hmm. So not everything is perfect. You are not perfect. And we just, you know, this is, this is life. And we need to be comfortable. We need to feel good. And we need to feel empowered um, so that other can. And so we all just live a, a good good life. Mm. Um, As so what I'm trying to say to. is, you know, is, is being that individual, is being that individual and, and speaking out, mm. um, you know, not, not, not being afraid. Um, you don't have to be. Look what's going around around the world. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm really hoping now that Connecting Roma is our very newest reporting centre for Bradford Hate Crime Alliance and we're so thrilled to have you on board to do that i think it's a really fantastic step forward in enabling the roma community to really be able to come forward and speak out and be heard and 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 give power to their voices um and i i hope that you um can see that as well absolutely that's going to be a positive alliance between the two of us and to, to really work to give these people the support that they need yeah absolutely you know we are absolutely thrilled for for the opportunity and it's um, something that that needed to mm-hmm. that needed to happen. Um, you know, I, I, kind of when I got into my career, mm-hmm. I mean, I started being an interpreter. I interpreted for ten years before I, um, you know, opened up Connecting Roma. And again, I've kind of seen <clears throat> the challenges and barriers that Roma people have here in the UK, um, and the fact how services, you know, organisations are struggling. To work with with Roma people, um, so we kind of, you know, put all that together and we spoke to some really really good people to be able to put a organisation that can that can support that, that can represent yeah. the Roma people and that can support professionals and help to connect them and help yeah. to connect them. Um, you do such great work. Thank you, thank you. You know, we again this this needed to happen mm, to have. Did. Uh, such organisation with um, such abilities like being a hate crime reporting centre. You know, we're here, we speak the language, we are the safe space for the community and, yeah, we hope to empower and hope to change it, love to change it to, to better. And it's recognition as well. You know, people, they might look at hate crime and think, oh, it's about race and it's about a couple of communities in particular that's affecting it's not it's, it affects many many different communities across the Bradford district uh, with regard to race and ethnicity and, and prejudice that they face on a daily basis mm-hmm. um, and the, the, the sooner we recognise that 
the better. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. You know, I think it's definitely starting to change. Mm-hmm. You can see it. I think the, you know, I mean, it's happening on a daily basis and, you know, around Bradford. But um, you can also see that change, like I'm saying, um, you know, which is positive. People yeah. are more aware and a lot of the times, you know, the perpetrators, you know, get get outed, you know, um, the perpetrator is starting to feel like a perpetrator and I've seen many change their ways and their thoughts and actually being apologetic, uh, which is absolutely fantastic to see that these, you know, this this is happening in Bradford, right? This this is real and this is why I'm saying, you know, we do need to put that extra work in because it, it's working. Mm. It's, it's actually making a change and... You know, now it's like we faced with absolute silly racism and discrimination, you know, where, again, people are just not thinking and using the, the wrong words, right? And sometimes we get really, really upset uh, by these words, but <clears throat> it's, again, just letting that person know that what they said and, that you know, that it's not okay and, and this awareness. is why this app would yeah. work, right? This is why the app will work and... I hope that people start reporting, start using, you know, the centre, start using Connecting Roma as a centre. And, yeah, let's let's collect the data and let's show these people, you know, that that's wrong. And that when they come forward, that there is recourse and, and that we can help them and they will be supported and they will be believed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking with you, as ever. No problem, no problem at all. I, I'm I sure it won't be the last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see you very soon. I'll see you very soon. But thank you. And thank you. Well, I'd like to thank Daniel for joining us today and for sharing of his experiences in such a candid, honest and inspiring way. If you've got anything you'd like to share with us, please don't forget you can get in touch. We are listening. You can call us on 0800 169 1664. That's 0800 169 1664. Or you can email us on information at bradfordhatecrimealliance.org.uk. Whether you've got any queries, any questions, any feedback, or you'd like to report a hate crime, please get in touch. Until the next time, take care. Bye-bye.